we are. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Space Flicks. This is the podcast where we review a movie and decide if it's worth the cost of beaming out to a lonely astronaut in the far reaches of space. And what are we talking about Is he an astronaut? Or is he a beast? (laughs) Uh, He has been in... I I can't keep it going. He's been been inspected by doctors and they assure me (laughs) he's an astronaut. Um, you look at him and you tell me he's right. an astronaut. So, so what, what movie are we talking about today, Adam? Nightmare Alley. Nightmare Alley, the latest from Guillermo del Toro, starring Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have listed Rooney Mara next, but IMDb lists Tony Collette next. Yeah, yeah. It's a star-studded cast yet again. I almost feel like they're doing it for the principles. They're doing it alphabetical. Like Cooper's definitely the lead, and then everybody else is alphabetical. Oh, interesting. Okay. Blanchett, Colette, Dafoe, Jenkins, Mara, Pearl, yeah. Steenberg, and Strathairn. Yep. Well, that's a way to just avoid the having to make those decisions. Because it. Because yeah, like I was about to say, this this film does have quite a few, you know, big. Uh, not like not like big celebrity names. I mean, they're they're famous, but just just really respected performers, right? Right. Right. Um, you know, Willem Dafoe and Richard Jenkins, as you said, Ron Perlman, Dave, David Strathairn, David Strathairn, excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, Mary Streenbergen. <laughs> so Mary Streenbergen, yeah, it's got lots of good good folks in it. Um, so why don't we start off with the synopsis, Adam? Yes. I <laughs> I like this one. Okay. An ambitious carny with a talent for manipulating people with a few well-chosen words hooks up with a female psychiatrist who is even more dangerous than he is. I think that's good, you know, sort of mm-hmm. sort of cust- you know, specifically made for maximum mystery and intrigue. <laughs> right. Um, How often do you get to use the word carny in a synopsis rare not too often not too often um so as always you know let's start with expectations as i mentioned this is from guillermo del toro Mm -hmm. are you are you typically a del toro fan or admirer or detractor I i don't think it would be fair to call me a fan um just by virtue of the fact that like i don't view his i haven't historically viewed his films as like appointment viewing i've mm-hmm. certainly not seen many of his movies okay. um i didn't you know particularly love his last film the shape of water um and so he's sort of like i recognize that he's considered largely to be like an a-list director but largely i've felt like his movies just not aren't quite for me mm-hmm. um and so uh, I had, you know, middling expectations for this movie. I was sort of like, all right, I, I don't really know what it's about. <laughs> the trailer is like not very clear. Um, I don't I've not typically been so enamored with his films. I'm like, I got to see the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I knew it had been nominated for some awards. Um, I, I like a lot of the performers in this movie. Uh, and so I was like, I, I, I'll give it the old college try. But I, I had not particularly high expectations for it. it's long it's two and a half hours long mm-hmm. so i was like mm-hmm. a it's a sit it's a long sit so yeah just sort of middling expectations 
Okay, interesting. Which of his which of his films have you seen besides The Shape of Water? I've seen Pan's Labyrinth. I've seen Hellboy. Uh, I've never seen Pacific Rim. Um, okay. I've never seen widely Hellboy considered 2. his best. <laughs> Is Pacific Rim widely considered no, considered no. his best? <laughs> no, I was kidding. I, oh, I thought. I, I mean, I know a lot of people really like it. Almost sure, like sure. it's a great sort of popcorn entertainment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. But I, I just, yeah, I just never got around to checking it out. Yeah. Um, well, I'm not a huge, um, I, I definitely would consider myself a Del Toro fan. I was going to say, I'm not, I'm not a huge student like of his, I, I, I've also seen only a handful of his films. Um, so like I haven't seen Hellboy, I have seen Pacific Rim. We've, we've both seen Pan's Labyrinth. Did you see, um, Crimson Peak? Nope. Never seen it. Okay. So I saw that, but you know, but just, it's just a handful, but, um, I really like it. Uh, even Shape of Water, which is probably could could be my least favorite of his that I've seen, I still thought it was beautifully made, and um, you know, and I think that movie also had just a feel to it that I really liked, even mm-hmm. though, you know, thinking back on the movie, like I don't even really remember the story that well, mm-hmm. um, and it didn't really have a ton of like you know, moments that like really stuck with me. Um, but, but I just, I guess I was really looking forward to this because I, I always find his movies to be super interesting and unique and, mm-hmm. and almost always beautiful. And I think he's got a real fascination with the sort of the, the juxtaposition of the, the beautiful and the grotesque, right? Mm-hmm. He, he clearly has a great, um, I almost want to call it like a, like a compassion or something for, yeah. for, you know, freaks, mm-hmm. <laughs> freaks, disturbed people, ugly things. Um, but he sort of has a way of making them beautiful. And, mm-hmm. um, so I was looking forward to his next film, whatever it was. And this film, um, I'm, I was very pleased going into have I'd not seen the trailer or really known practically anything about it. Mm-hmm. I think I, all I saw was the poster Mm-hmm. And I was like, Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, you know, mm-hmm. Tony Collette, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and it looks kind of noirish and sort of mysterious. This is going to be great. This is just going to be great. So I was, I was actually quite, quite looking forward to it without even knowing the premise. Like I, I, um, I didn't know what Nightmare Alley referred to mm-hmm. uh, from the poster. It looked like Bradley Cooper could have been like a detective or something. I had no idea what he was. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yep. So, uh, so yeah, I was really looking forward to it. Um, now let's talk first impressions. I mean, what'd you think of the movie? I loved it. <laughs> nice, nice. It's awesome. I loved it like, too. I, like against you know my expectations. Like as the movie was progressing, I was like, I'm just really into this. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I can't, you know, it's just re- you know for a two and a half hour movie, I was like, it's really just sort of. Um, you know, just to just to juxtapose it with something like I'd uh, watched not too long before that I'd watched the last duel, which is the same length. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the last duel um, is there, there are I, I think there are elements of that movie that are sort of like a slog. Mm-hmm. Right. Like mm-hmm. uh, especially as it, you know, repeats certain things. And so um, I was sort of like in my head, I was like two and a half hours is sort of a long sit. 
right. for a movie. It has to sort of pull off some tricks for you to feel like, oh, I don't really feel the weight of this. Um, and this movie does a lot of things right for me as far as just like keeping it, keeping things moving in a way that I just remained interested and compelled by what was happening in the film and um, the, and the way it was made. So it really defied my expectations. I, 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 I wasn't super excited for it and I left feeling like really exhilarated by it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really loved it. I think um, I, you know, going through the movie, I sound similar to you. I was just finding myself. It never got boring. It never lost me. I was always intrigued and I feel like, it was it would it it hit you know on multiple dimensions i think it, the quality was really high like the performances were all across the board really good and it introduces mm-hmm. you to to more and more characters as it goes on and they're all really interesting characters and mm-hmm. they all add something to this story and you just you're so fascinated in all of the characters but in particular you know Bradley Cooper as the main character you're really Mm-hmm. You're really invested in what's going to happen with like, what's he going to do? You know, mm-hmm. where is he going to go? What's going to happen with him? What's going to happen with him and, and Rooney Mara's character? What's going to happen with him and Kate Blanchett's character? Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I would say is just, uh, you know, without getting too much into spoilers, I feel like this movie really sticks the landing in a yeah. really powerful way. Um, more so like i i don't really associate del toro with like amazing endings you know i don't think of him as having bad endings it's just like that's not that's not typically the thing that i think about with a movie but with this movie the way it ends for me like will really stick with me you know and it Mm -hmm. and it feels like it it you know it provides a you know really um I don't want to say satisfying because it's it's not like the most feel good ending, but a right. a, a really um, a, a really impactful sort of conclusion, right, to yeah. the story of this character. Um, so yeah, I think I think I was I was with it all the way, and then at, like as the credits rolled, it was just sort of it was just like wow, it like nailed it, you know, yeah, <laughs> start to yeah. finish, um, yeah. which which that that feeling is very satisfying of like this movie just knew what it was doing got all the way there and and you know took it home and and was Mm -hmm. successful every step of the way so sounds like we're both big fans did you did you also feel the same way about the ending about it being really well done yeah it it had sort of the elements of um a, a well executed ending it had the following elements of of a particular kind of well executed ending where you can see it unfolding and mm-hmm. you know this is where it's going uh but not not too early mm-hmm. but also not too late mm-hmm. and the way <clears throat> certain revelations sort of dawn on the on Bradley Cooper's character at the end is like extremely I mean, satisfying, right? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. narratively very satisfying, and t- for me anyway. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that it had that particular. It wasn't, wasn't. Yeah, it's not like a twist ending, right? right yeah, right. it's it's not like oh my gosh, I didn't know that was going to happen. Right. It's it's it, it's yeah, it's it's it feels very earned, 
Right. Right. It's like the fulfillment of what should happen in this story. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But in like uh, not it was not obvious from like minute one how mm-hmm. this is going to go. Maybe maybe to a more sort of like analytical film viewer, they might have seen it coming in ways that I didn't. But like, yeah, you know, yeah. for me, it was it unfolded very satisfyingly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we can. Uh, it, I'm very pleased to hear that you loved it. Um I guess we can move right along to, I guess, the theme, themes or, you know, what is this, I guess, movie's message? <laughs> Do you want to take a stab at what the movie's about? What is this movie about? I don't want to take a stab. I want you to go first <laughs> so I can think about it. Um, okay, well, let me, let me sort of meander there by thinking okay. out loud. Um, so the main character... He's clearly very ambitious. Um, yeah. He, he's introduced to us as someone who is kind of like well, ready to take any job and he's just going to yeah. give it his all and he's going to yeah. try to learn from people and, and do more. Um, I think it's, I definitely feel like there's an aspect of it as being a cautionary tale, you know, of the dangers of ambition. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it's interesting that He's very successful, um, you know, throughout much of the movie. He's, he's, he is very competent and smart and can, um, you know, can figure things out, right? Mm-hmm. But he, I think his ambition gets the better of him. And I think, I think there's also very much a through line of he's like, he's trying to outrun something right? It's not just ambition. It's like he's trying to prove something or outrun something because of something dark in his past and something dark that's, that's within him. Like he feels like he doesn't deserve all this. Mm -hmm. It sort of feels like he's trying to outrun the devil the whole time, you know, like, like he's waiting for the, the devil's after him for what he's done for who he is. And, right. and it, sooner or later, it's going to catch up to him, but he's trying to do everything he can to get away. Um, so there's, there's a definitely a, there's kind of a dark destiny, like a fatalistic aspect of it too. Yeah. That, that is sort of like, you can't run away from, from it forever. Yeah. Um, the things you've done or, or in, in his case, it could be even something like if you hate yourself, you know, mm-hmm. um, you can try to fool everybody, but you can't fool yourself forever. Right. Um, because there's definitely that in this movie too. Yeah. Um, so I don't know th- those, those feel kind of like the themes. And I mean, is that a commentary on something larger? Maybe, but I think those, these are very universal themes. Like the, people have been telling stories about this stuff for, you know, millennia. Right. But right. to me, it, it feels like that kind of story, right? the dangers of, of ambition and, um, and the futility of trying to run from your sins or escape yourself basically. Yeah. Yeah. Futility is a really important word. I think like uh, some, a thought that like, I feel like keeps recurring throughout the film. And I think it's also true, like in the sort of macro, like overarching narrative of the movie is like the game is rigged. Mm. Right. Um, I think there are constantly situations in this movie where the ending of a 
situation is a foregone conclusion mm-hmm. and one character knows that and another character does not mm. right and another character thinks that they are sort of like still in the mix like in the fight or they mm-hmm. are still mm-hmm. like have something they still got left. a shot <laughs> there's some variability to the outcome still right but like that i feel like consistently throughout the film is like this is either and i think the characters sort of mostly all understand this it's like you either you're the one doing the rigging or mm-hmm. you're the one being duped mm-hmm. right um and i think uh i don't there's something very empty about that sort of like outlook on the world that sort of prevents human connection and lasting relationships in this Mm -hmm. film but i do feel like the film is very cynical right and is and is um sort of taking the like the well the world as um as experienced by uh you know stanton carlisle Mm -hmm. sort of plays out this premise i think there are other characters on the margins for whom they can sort of transcend that transactional like you know con man victim routine Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by refusing to play that particular game but i think the world of stanton carlisle is this sort of deeply rigged world Mm. yeah yeah, I agree. I, I'd be curious, you know, as we as we move along in the conversation to pick at your brain for some of those examples of, I mean, in particular, like, well, actually, I guess we don't have to get into spoilers for you to say this. Like, wh- what's a character who's removed from that, in your opinion? Well, I think, for example, like um, the Ron Perlman character of Bruno, mm-hmm. right? He's just sort of like, existing as a all i'm doing is doing a um being a strong man i'm just being a strong man and the only angle i have is caring for this young person who i promised to care for right right he doesn't want anything from her he's not trying to use her in any way and he just sort of is this representation of like a real friend Mm -hmm. right um and the one and like the one of the ways that he is able to maintain that is by not being ambitious and by just sort of staying at the original sort of carnival that they all start at. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, that's fair. I I think my view of, I feel like I wouldn't have described this movie as cynical so much as I think it's sort of amoral. Like it's, it's mm. I don't think this movie casts judgment for the most part, with the possible exception of Bradley Cooper's character. Mm-hmm. Um because like when I when I when you think of all the carnies, you know, at the where he first starts out, in a way, um I don't know, I, I would say they're all sort of complicit in some pretty dark things that are going on there. But they're sure. also but they're also, you know, a family and they care about each other. Mm-hmm. And I think the movie just looks at that very non-judgmentally and it's like, there's a messed up thing going on here mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, at least one or two. Uh, mm-hmm. There's also legitimate sort of familial kind of relationships going on here. 
yeah. and people who are looking out for each other. And, um, there's real kind of human compassion at work. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, those things can kind of coexist, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I think, I think we've kind of touched on the big themes then of the movie. There's, there's sort of the, the, the feeling of things being kind of predestined, preordained, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The game being rigged, uh, the dangers of ambition and all those other things. But yeah. th- that's basically what the movie's about. So, um, and that's, and that makes a fascinating mix. Uh, it's a little fascinating cocktail of all wrapped up in a noir sort of package. Yep. Um, but without many of the hallmarks of your typical film noir, like there's no detective, right? Right. There's no voiceover. Right. Um, but the feel is undeniably very, very noirish. But there's still sort of a mystery For like, sure. at the heart of the movie, mm-hmm. you know, that it takes the entire movie to sort of work out, um, which isn't a complicated mystery. It's just withheld. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with that characterization of, you know, a noir without a detective. Okay. So, uh, I think we just go straight next to, I feel like this is moving along faster than usual. Maybe it's just cause we both like the movie. Um, yeah, but I think next we go on to highlights. Do we not? Yeah. Uh, so I think that, and this um, is where we'll spoil the movie by the way. Yeah. Auga. That means spoilers are coming. <laughs> Uh, so I think Stanton Carlisle is a fantastic character, same, right? Same. I think, I think he's just a tremendous character. And, um, one of the things I really loved about him, uh, and the way Cooper plays him is I don't think he says anything for the first 15 minutes of the movie, even though oh, he's yeah. like, it's a, it, it's a long, it becomes very noticeable. <laughs> right. How long say it's anything. going. Right. <clears throat> And then, you know, as the film progresses, he becomes increasingly verbose till by the end, he's like, that's his weapon is his language. Right. Um, And sort of just that journey from wide eyed sponge, just looking to take everything in to someone who talks too much Mm -hmm. and reveals too much about themselves through words um, to, to the point where that is their probably their downfall. Right. Um, and the, and the belief that he can do anything with his words, right. Um, is a real, I think just a, a really fat was a really fascinating sort of detail about, about the journey. Um, but, uh, so that was one of my, my favorite aspects was just this. I think the character is so compelling that he definitely holds you for the entire two and a half hours. Um, Another thing that I had no idea was like a facet of this movie, but I just sort of like loved is uh, as soon as you start going behind the scenes of all these various basically sort of like deceptions that are Mm -hmm. being used to make the carnival go. Mm -hmm. Right. Just like every time we got to peek behind that curtain, especially when we got to sort of see, um, the Pete character, David Strathairn's character, start explaining, like, here's mm-hmm. how the system works, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's so obvious in hindsight, mm-hmm. but so, like, 
impenetrable. So magical in the moment. Yeah. Right. It's like it's it's almost like even though you know the trick, it still feels like magic, you know? Right. right. Um just stuff like that. I just all of that con like it's not con artistry exactly, but like all of that craft mm-hmm. of going, you know, there were elements that really reminded me of uh the prestige, right? It's just like this is just hard work. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. much of this stuff is just hard work. Uh, at one point, um, Rudy Mara's character talks about she's a character who endures sort of these electrical currents to like stun and awe an audience because they can visibly see her like these, you know, big glowing currents like flowing through her body. And she's like, it's painful, <laughs> right? <laughs> like that's the yeah. trick is pain is like pain tolerance, right? Yeah. Um, no, that was surprising. I remember, you know, because they make things that you can touch and it looks like crazy electricity. Yeah. And and I totally assumed, I think, I'm guessing you did too, that it was just a trick, right? Yeah. That the audience was like, oh my gosh, and, and it's like nothing really. She's not experiencing anything. So that towards the end where you're like, oh, it wasn't as much of a trick as I thought it was. <laughs> right, right. I just, I always think about that line in The Prestige where he's like, um, the audience knows the truth. The world is solid through and through, mm-hmm. right? It's like these aren't, you know, trick. Like you, like you are just sort of willfully believing something. But like at the end of the day, it's just a woman getting electrocuted. It's exactly what it looks like, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I really loved uh all of that aspect of the film. It really, there's a ton of it in the movie, and I feel like I, I was just um swept up in it every as 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 we learned all that stuff yeah yeah i i i i loved that all that stuff too um which is what mainly the first maybe call it third of the movie half of the movie um is a quite a lot of that but then that knowledge influences the way you experience the remainder of the movie um right like for example it's why that scene where kate blanchett insists on no verbal verbal cues mm-hmm. from Rooney Mara is so intense mm-hmm. and and then when he correctly identifies what it's in her bag you're like what is happening right now right right, right. how did he do it yeah. yeah and then you know I think the explanation that comes later is um it's of course it's like movie logic it's a it it, it strains credulity a little like if you're yeah if you were really witnessing something in real life but it makes just enough sense to to work right right um and uh, but yeah, th- that that particular trick, the David Strathairn character's trick, mm-hmm. um, it kind of reminds me, you know, to borrow again from the Prestige, uh, or to reference the Prestige again, like the idea towards the beginning of that movie, where they go see the old man with the fishbowl, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like, the trick is that he has everyone convinced he's a feeble old man, right? That mm-hmm. it's the dedication to that persona that then makes the fact that what he's actually doing is this really difficult physical feat um, mm-hmm. is just something people couldn't consider, right? Right. Um, it, it, it struck me similarly because like you said, oh, this is just hard work. It's like, it's still hard to do what they're doing. They had to right. devise this system and memorize this number system. And that mm-hmm. probably took, you know, a year, two years of just practice, right? Right. Um, to the point of like, it is genuinely impressive <laughs> that she yes. can communicate so much to him just in the, 
just in the way she asks a question, right? Right. But it still make it's still like not magic. It still makes sense. Right. Right. So it was that like dedication, the amount of time that had to be put in that makes yeah. it a magic trick in the end. Yeah. Um. Let's see other highlights. So I I, f- I feel like that. See, I think when Kate Blanchett enters the story is very much right. a highlight for me. It's sure. like, honestly, I just wasn't even expecting any new characters by that point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and when she comes in, you're like, whoa, new character, big deal, right? What's right. happening right now? Um, and she, I thought her performance was great. I mean, she was, you know, everything you want in that sort of mysterious, uh, you know, femme, femme fatale, sort of right? femme fatale. Yeah. Sort of character. Um, and you know, the, the, the relationship that then starts to develop between them is really fascinating. And then again, when Richard Jenkins's character enters, like mm-hmm. when, they, when they first just even mentioned him, you know, mm-hmm. Grindel, you know, mm-hmm. Grindel, he's dangerous, you know, mm-hmm. you want to avoid, I was just sort of like, Ooh, I wonder who this is going to be, <laughs> you yeah. know, cause yeah. I didn't know the cast list even, and I hadn't looked up it up, but yeah. I was like the way they're talking about this guy, it's going to be another you know, Kate Blanchett esque actor, right? Entering entering the the movie, and I was not disappointed. It's like, oh, Richard Jenkins, right? Um, so, introing him was another great to me. Those actually, those two scenes are some of the my favorite scenes in the in the film. One where Kate Blanchett comes up, and you're like, you know, his he's doing this. It's like his ambition. I sort of, I, I feel like it's similar to maybe like a Safdie brothers movie where it feels like a rubber band is stretching like the mm-hmm. whole movie. And you're just mm-hmm. like, this has to snap eventually. Is this where it's yeah. going to snap? Right. But when he's, he's able to trick Kate Blanchett, you're like, wow, mm-hmm. it still didn't snap. And when he yeah. sits down in Grindel's office and they hook him up to a lie detector test, Yes. You're like, he's screwed. He's screwed. Right. right? right. And that when he is able to get out of that situation too, you're just yeah. like, oh my gosh, this, this rubber band is so taut right now. Right. right. Um, so I loved both of those, just how it's, you know, it's putting him in this ridiculously impossible situation where the people really should find out the truth. And he's still yeah. able to, to maintain the illusion. Right. Um, right. In in a way that's that's again makes sense for the movie. Like it's believable yeah. enough. It's plausible. Yeah, right. In yeah, yeah. in movie in movie logic. Like, do I really believe a person who's never been trained to to like trick a a, a polygraph machine could possibly do that? Not really, but like what you sort of understand is, or at least the way I interpreted it is he is starting to really sort of believe he has these abilities, you know? Right. Or, or if not believe it, he's like able to do this mental trick of, of lying to yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Of sort of like, this is how I do it. This is how I convince people. Um, mm-hmm. And again, it comes back to the danger of, of, you know, being too ambitious or really just, you know, the, the, the sin of hubris, basically, of thinking that you really have these powers, which is, of course, foreshadowed by David Strathairn's character much earlier. Right, right. So, yeah, I really loved both of those scenes. Um, 
And then I guess the third scene I would add into the mix would be the one where the rubber band really does snap. Yeah. Yes. Um, where you're like, surely this is going to be the one that ruins it all. And it is. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Like, I was like, I, there's no, you know, like you already know that the Grindel character is dangerous. Right. Right. And it's sort of like, we are going really far here. <laughs> This yep. is a very difficult con yeah. to pull off, right? Um, and the stakes are very high. <laughs> right. If we fail, right. we'll probably be killed. <laughs> right. Is right. the vibe I'm getting from this guy? Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, that scene was great. I mean, you know, they built up the tension so much to the point and this 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 hurt me you know and i think it was supposed to like mm-hmm. when rooney mara's character i should stop saying rooney mara's character what's her name molly molly when, cahill when yeah. molly she actually leaves right she mm-hmm. leaves a note she mm-hmm. she she says i'm sorry stan i'm not doing this you know by the right. time you read this note i'll be gone right and and i don't i, I had this feeling of sort of relief of like Thank you for not, you know, yeah, pulling her into like m- making her. She have doesn't to deserve do this. to be right. used in this right. way. This poor right. girl <laughs> does not deserve this, and so it's like, okay, all right, she's out. So now he's going to have to scramble to figure out what to do next, and then for him to go, f- you know, find her at the station and bring her back. That 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 was painful to watch. Yes. Just like, yeah. oh no, he's gonna get her to do it after all, right? Right. So, so it's. I think it's got you on. It's got you on. Like, you know, your 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 nerves are 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 very exposed, <laughs> right? Yeah. You're like, you're so nervous. You're so sure it's gonna go wrong, and yet you just like can't help but watch. Um, and then you know, of course, it goes spectacularly wrong, and then. But but not necessarily in the way I thought because, in fairness, they do get out of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but this this was Del Toro's moment to do his signature extreme violence uh, uh-huh. moment. Like someone always has to get brutally killed in a Del Toro <laughs> movie. Um, yeah. Very abruptly, <laughs> like right. like when you're not expecting it necessarily. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, and I mean, that's that's pretty much at that point, we're almost at the end of the movie, right? Because it then races pretty quickly to his very uh, precipitous uh, downfall as the rubber mm-hmm. band completely contracts and goes back to its resting position right? where he belongs. Um, but, and I already mentioned that loving the ending, but are there any other... Um, aspects of the movie scenes in the movie that you want to call out in particular well i think the one that for me was really kind of uh i i didn't see it coming and i certainly feel like in hindsight i should have in that sort of ending sequence just to sort of call out a particular moment is so the the con has gone wrong and there's a couple of dead bodies at the scene where Mm -hmm. stanton and molly have left and so Molly leaves him, right, at that mm-hmm. moment. She's like, we're, we're done. You know, I, I'm going back home. Mm-hmm. He goes to Dr. Ritter's office. And that sequence reveals that 
um, you know, Stan, who had been two-timing his his girlfriend with his mistress, Dr. Ritter, and they had been together planning, you know, this, you know, series of cons that they were going to use to swindle many thousands of dollars, which is a lot in 1941, from this tycoon um, that she has betrayed him, right? Mm -hmm. And that was her plan the entire time, right? Mm -hmm. This entire thing was just a was just a long con to swint to put all of the risk on him and swindle him out of everything, mm -hmm. right? Um, so now it's like I was so uh, we're so accustomed to Stan for the past you know hour and a half being the guy who has every angle figured out and knows a little bit more than everybody else and can manipulate people into doing what he needs for them to do and to sort of realize that he has just been used as a tool by an even more man manipulative person is was shocking to me mm -hmm. uh, in a really sort of like obvious satisfying way in hindsight it was sort of like it's like oh of course right like um he's the one who, like and i think that's sort of the thing with with uh, with Stanton is he always thinks he can control these out of control situations. And it's sort of like when it's revealed, it was never in control, Stan. Like you never mm -hmm. had it, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's a very satisfying sort of like lesson to be learned and sort of shock to the system as a viewer. Yeah, yeah. No, that scene was great. I mean, it definitely... It is shocking, like you said, um, and it sort of, to me, it's sort of like a, from the moment this, the, the, the plan go with Molly and, and, um, what's his name? Grindle. I just blanked on his name. Yeah. Ezra Grindle. Grindle. The Richard Jenkins um, character. Yeah. 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 But from the moment that plan goes south mm -hmm. and he finds out she's not really a ghost and, you know, then, then. They, they run away. It's like, I feel like he's like falling, you know? Yeah. Yes. From, from then, then going to, um, uh, to, to, to Lilith's office and finding mm -hmm. out she was playing him. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just keeps fall like this almost endless chasm. He's falling down. Yeah. Right. Um, and to finally land, you know, behind a bunch of chickens on a train car <laughs> right? Um, to who knows where, right? Mm -hmm. At which point it's just like, uh, I, can't, I can't show my face in society anymore after this, right? I'm, I'm a lost soul at this point. And why do you think he, it, it feels very like consistent with the character, but also a little bit like illogical, right? Like, yes, you've hit rock bottom, Right. Mm -hmm. But you have a significant set of skills that should allow you to, you know, make a living if you so choose. But he's just completely given up. Uh, yeah, I think the right. will I think the will is gone by the end. Right. It's it it's it's like, you know, you, you flew cl too close to the sun. Um 
I think it's back to that thing that I said at the beginning. You wanted to escape yourself. Yeah. And you realized you couldn't. And now you don't feel like there's any point in running anymore. Right. Just accept who you are. Yeah. Right. Which is very much what he does in that yeah. in that amazing final or, moment. Or to be clear, it's more like maybe it's it's I mean, it's maybe a distinction without difference, but it's like what you think you are or what you think what you, you think you deserve. Yeah. He right. thinks he he deserves just a life of misery. Depravity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um <clears throat> he thinks he's, you know, basically no better than a dog. Right. Right. A beast. Um, and so so the ending of that he's gonna become the new geek mm-hmm. is something he 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 embraces with this sort of haunting combination of like laughter that it's like mm-hmm. funny to him mm-hmm. but but you know tears that it's so such a terrible existence right 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 um it's yeah it's a tragedy in as much as um you know it's kind of like a death mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but it's a it's almost like this weird sort of comedy in the sense that it's a person like becoming who they were meant to be right you know what i mean it's like this weird like um it's like everything that led up to this was a farce mm-hmm. and now we can all take our costumes off at the end and oh now we all know who each other is yeah. right yeah i'm the geek right everything makes sense now yeah. right yeah um and that's why his performance in that last scene is so good yeah right because he's crying and laughing at the same time yeah right yeah it's I mean, it's, it's, it leaves you, for me, it's one of those ending scenes and one of those just thoughts, I mean, the performance plays into it, that just leaves you thinking so many thoughts, like, like, I picture him as a geek, you know, 10 years down the line, where like, the, the way the movie ends, you very well believe that it could, that could be like the rest of his life, right? Um, of his short life, yeah, right? Like, which won't be very long, right? That's right. right. Um, but, you know, you picture seeing a man like that or like the man we see in the beginning of the movie and, right. and somebody saying like, you know, before this, that guy had quite a, quite a story, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it would be the sort of thing you're like, oh, yeah, all right. But like, it's like we saw the story, right? Of yeah. all the crazy things. And this guy actually got, was very successful for a little while. Right. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, before sort of settling into this this equilibrium that he's in now, which is very, you know, lowly and despicable for most of us existence. But but, you you know, you'd be you'd be surprised to see <laughs> where this guy came from. Right. It's right. just it's it's kind of crazy to think that we like you said, we saw like the big lead up to what is now going to be his new existence. Yeah. Um, you know what else was a highlight for me in this movie is, uh, I mean, it seems like almost like stating the obvious, but Willem Dafoe, I thought for, was, I was going to say, if you didn't say it, I was going to, <laughs> he was great. He, he was, was great. great. Like he's, um, you know, I, as you sort of get into the groove of that character, you recognize that this is like a deeply amoral person mm-hmm. who is really only interested in like the 
the craft and like the mechanics of like getting this series of grifts that he runs to work. And he's like, here's how they work. I know exactly how they work, Mm -hmm. right? I've been doing this for too long and I explain it the same way I would like, you know, a carpenter would explain like how to just, you know, like sand a piece of wood, right? It's very just methodical and Mm -hmm. consistent and this is how you do it. This is like, these are the rules to manipulating people. Yeah. Right, yeah, um, yeah. That diner scene where he's just yeah. he's just eating steak and eggs and just kind of going, "Well, this is how you break down a man and you know mm-hmm. make him do whatever you want." Basically, it's right. this such a fascinating scene. I think I I can't really imagine a better actor than Willem Dafoe just giving these like brutal mm-hmm. sort of matter of fact statements. Right. Yeah. While eating. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. like and like not not even in a i say brutal but it's like not in a dark way he's like saying it to stan as like a let me teach you something kid you know right there there's right. there's there's no feeling i think amoral is the right word that you just said it's um it's he, he doesn't have any guilt about it right but, it, but it's also not like he's this sadistic you know right um, it, it, it's, it, it's not like oh he's doing it because he he's he's evil it's just he just doesn't care you know right it's right just it's like this interesting des- thing to do he describes you know basically uh you know drugging a man against his will and yep. turning him into an opium addict so that he can become a slave mm-hmm. right he describes that the same way that for example like um a slaughterhouse like employee would describe like here's how you kill a cow right right, right. like uh it's, it's like, like i understand the creature well enough to explain how to master it right right and it's like oh that sounds brutal it's like well i mean you know do you want to <laughs> if you don't like tea? that then we can talk about the mentalist stuff or right the- <laughs> do you do you want like do you want to eat beef or not Right, like this is what it takes, and he's sort of like, mm-hmm. "Do you want to run a carnival with a geek? Mm-hmm. This is what it takes, right? And this yeah. is a big source of income for us, and so I'm not gonna not do it, right?" I will say that the 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 attraction of the geek is so inhumane, yeah, that it did, it did have me wondering because all most of the other acts are like kind of fine you know family friendly <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean the mentalist one they're tricking people but it's like yeah no more than you know modern day illusionist tricks people really right right um so it was just sort of like do you need the geek that's like that thing is making your whole carnival like so much more immoral and unethical than it would otherwise be if you just didn't have that one right. attraction right it, i feel like maybe they should have well, not should have, because I don't think the movie needed to be changed in this way. But I would have understood it better if they, if they indicated that the geek was like the main attraction and brought in the most money, and sort of mm. they like the rest of them relied on that. But yeah. but that was not clear to me. It felt like it's just an attraction. So well, he calls out at one point. He's like, "This is one that you have to pay for, right? Mm. Like most of the other attractions in the carnival, you just sort of like." watch 
but right. presumably there's some price of admission to the carnival itself. yeah just to get in at all yeah. or, or or you or you can tip the performers or whatever but this yeah. one he's like everybody pays a quarter yeah and so, like okay and we so learned it does that bring it, in a little more money you know this is 1930 whatever at that point in time and it's like uh you know quarter's a lot of money yeah right like yeah. stan does a whole like day of work and gets a and gets a buck right you know um so like people are willing to pay like the geek is like this amazing concept because as i'm watching like i really had no idea what to expect i was like is this going to be like a guillermo del toro special is this going to be mm-hmm. some insane creature right, right right um and then like you see him and i'm like oh that's just straight up a human you know <laughs> what i mean like you know it's yeah. like He's like, they assure me he's a man, but would a man act like this? That's I know, you're sort of expecting like, the, like a shape of water type character. Right. right and then it's like, point. and I was sort of like very intrigued. I was like, oh, that's just a person, right? <laughs> that's just like, like they have complete. And I think the, the brilliant thing is like the audience, like the way that Defoe pitches it to the audience, they believe they do right? all the like, work yeah this is some weird hybrid thing this can't be human because mm-hmm. if it were human we are all like you know uh complicit in right. this deeply kind of evil thing mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but like we believe that this is some weird human beast hybrid thing that deserves our sort of fascination and it belongs you know, in like a zoo yeah it belongs in a cage right yeah um, and so just like the fact that, uh, I loved that. Cause that's like the one I, you did, you said you didn't see the trailer beforehand, but that's basically the one thing that the trailer has in it is Defoe's little speech mm-hmm. about like, is he man or is he beast? But you don't see the, you know, the oh, geek in the trailer. And so, um, like that was the one thing I was aware of. So when we get to that moment, I'm like, oh yeah, man or beast, let's go. Right. <laughs> And then it's like, it's totally a man. Like if you're, if you're like not in this sort of mob mm-hmm. who's all sort of like getting to a group think answer of like, oh yeah, maybe this, maybe this is fine. Um, like if you're just a imp- dispassionate viewer sitting at home, you're like, oh, what are we doing here? Yeah. Right. There's some, this is way sort of darker than I imagined. I thought it was going to be more fantastic. Right. 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 So. That yeah, definitely Defoe like does a lot of heavy lifting in this for this movie because he's only in less than half of it. Yeah, right. And he is like this presence that you that sort of helps you understand everything that comes after it. Indeed, and I don't even know what happens. To, they don't actually say what happens to that character, do they? He's just running the carnival, right? Yeah, but after after Stanton leaves. Then sometime later, I mean, the very end, the carnival he goes to, doesn't it have Xena or like somebody, if I remember, he goes there because he actually recognizes in a, in a newspaper. I thought it, I thought he sees like Xena, the seer, yeah, the yeah, seer, yeah. or somebody from his old, you know, right. The old carnival he was part of is, is at this new one, but it's obviously yeah. different because this one's run by Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah. Oh, but he's got Enoch actually. So it so it is the same one or or one no, that's like inherited it, a lot of the same stuff. No, yeah, it's not the same one. He's like, I got this from a carnival that like went out of business. Okay, okay. So that's right? so we don't know exactly what happened to 
just to yeah Willem Dafoe's entropy. character, but it's you know right. he he's his carnival ultimately ended. You know, went I mean, out of business. We know that like I mean we know Pete dies. We know Molly leaves. We know Stanton leaves. Right. We know uh, that at least at one point in time they were missing a geek. Right. Yeah. So I just think like they just had some they were attrition. kind of falling apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're you're right. The sheriff had it out for them, right? So it's just sort of like I think just yeah. there was a lot of factors stacked up against them. That's right, and they didn't have stand to ward off the sheriff next time. Right. Um. Okay. So we named a lot of things we really liked about the film. Um. Next, we typically do fix the movie. So, I mean, I'm just gonna say I don't I don't really feel like there was a lot wrong with this movie that I would fix. Um. What about you? No, I mean, really, I just thought it was excellent. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's two and a half hours long. If you, if you sort of like held me to it, could I cut some from this movie? Maybe. Um, Maybe. You know, here here's the one thing about like Guillermo del Toro that I wanted to talk about that um, is probably an unpopular opinion. I feel like he shares a lot in his sort of aesthetics with, and also sort of in some ways like his outlooks or his interests um, with Tim Burton, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, I could see that. They're both very interested in sort of like, in air quotes, like freaks, mm-hmm. right? Things that outcasts. are not, yeah. outcasts, p- thing, especially things that are sort of um, biologically or physically strange, mm-hmm. right? Um and finding, to your earlier point, like the beauty in those things, which I think is like a very, you know, earned, probably very personal, you know, position for them to take. Or like a very, like that fascination feels very organic and real, right? Mm-hmm. There's a weird artificiality to like the way their movies look, right? Mm-hmm. Very sort of painterly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, where it feels like everything is got like a veneer of CG over it. Everything has been like color corrected and production designed like to up t- to the hilt mm-hmm. where it doesn't feel um, like alive in the same way that other directors movies feel like this, like where it's like, this feels like it could be like a real place. Mm-hmm. Right. Like very few of the things in Nightmare Alley. I'm like, this feels like reality. It feels like their movies feel Tim Burton and Guillermo del Toro feel like um, extremely heightened and like a little bit airless, you know, mm-hmm. like which is something that I I struggle with a little bit. Um, and so I don't have a major change that I feel like like put this way I loved the movie and so at the end of the day you don't change anything but I would like to see Del Toro like and I felt this way about Shape of Water too like there's something very stagey about everything that is happening that feels mm-hmm. very that feels very sort of artificial and that might be exactly the intention but I would love to see something that feels like a little bit more alive now fortunately he's getting 
great performances out of his actors, especially Bradley Cooper in this movie, which like does so much of the heavy lifting for me that mm-hmm. I didn't mind it, right? But I feel like in lesser performers' hands, you might start feeling like this just feels like uh, you know, a person playing with dolls as yeah. opposed to like real people living interesting lives. Yeah. So I mean it's it's kind of like the look, the aesthetic of the movie, the look, the way it's the way it's shot. Um it, you you would whether in this movie or just the next Del Toro movie, you would you mm-hmm. would like to see a version of Del Toro telling a story cinematically that that has a little bit more of a naturalistic feel to it. Um I mean, I really like his his look. I, I think I know what you're saying, it, but it's like the choice of words kind of hints at how we feel differently about it. Like, whereas you call it, um, I think, did you say artificiality or you said something, mm-hmm. t- something to that effect? I, I, yeah. I would describe the look as a little bit dreamlike. Sure. Um, which, you know, which to me is great. It's like, um, there's, there's plenty of movies that don't look like this, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. is the way I think about it. It's like, um, I like, when, when I go to see a Tim Burton movie or when I go to see a Del Toro movie, I really enjoy that there's this sort of different feel to the way it looks. And mm-hmm. I could see, I, I mean, I definitely could see how, yeah, if the movie weren't made as well, if the performances weren't as good, if the script wasn't as good, maybe the look would start to also feel like somehow cheap or something Mm -hmm. um but it doesn't feel cheap to me it feels it feels really rich and really um like really composed and 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 very deliberate um i think painterly is also a good good word to describe it 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 feels more like you know we talked about um the french dispatch recently how every Mm -hmm. every image felt so meticulously put together it's Mm -hmm. not so different from that to me um Oh, it's funny. I view it as very different than that. Mm. Um, by ver- like we talked about in the French Dispatch, the the things that sort of have the characteristics of a freeze frame, mm-hmm. but they're not freeze frames because they're actors holding as still as they can, mm-hmm. right? And you see them moving a little bit, right. and to me, that feels very alive, right? Yes. Feels- no. Just to be clear, I'm not saying this movie looked similar to a Wes Anderson movie. What I'm saying is it's it's not so different from that in the sense that I feel like what you're seeing, a lot yeah. of thought has been put into just the visual like experience of the movie. Yeah. I feel like I don't disagree. I guess the emotional response I have to it, let me sort of to draw a comparison, is like the way that the production design and look of the French Dispatch really worked for me and evoked like emotional responses in me i feel like nightmare alley is fighting with a hand tied behind its back because to me it's sort of like very computer imagey sort of production design Mm. to me had like the emotional resonance of like the end of shang chi right (laughs) where it's like this looks like a computer drew it Hmm. right um and so that's sort of like the thing like i don't um, I agree. Like, I think you can achieve that dreamlike state without. For me, it's distracting that mm-hmm. it's like this looks like a computer drew this image as opposed to 
this looks like people doing real stuff. And it's just, you know, like, I don't mean I, I want realism. I mean, I just want it to feel like, um, I want to you hear feel like, less, the, like computers drew it. Uh, yeah. Like less like a, like, you know, the end of WandaVision, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay. Well, I mean, y- you might just have a more discerning eye than I, I definitely didn't feel, I never felt in this movie like I was looking at CGI or like something I, that computers made. I felt that way, especially with the coloring mm. of it. Um, and I especially felt that way. And I think this might be intentional and I'm just sort of like a bad movie watcher, but I think it felt especially that way at the carnival, mm-hmm. like the coloring of things that are happening in the first you know, hour, hour and a half of the movie to me just felt like, this all just feel, you know, um, so at any rate, I'm be like, I'm talking about this and it sounds like, you know, it really like ruined <laughs> things ruined for me. For you. Yeah. This is a movie I love. No, we've established you right. love the movie. So I know it's just, it's one aspect. That it's you a, like it's a, change. it's a nitpick. It's yeah. ultimately at the end of the day, a nitpick. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's clearly a matter of taste. Cause like I loved the way the carnival looked. I, I don't know why, yeah. you know, I can't really ex- justify it. It's just to me, it, I, I really liked it. I really liked the way Tim Burton movies look. I yeah. think, I think there is something like I picture, you know, sort of like myself as a character in, a, you know how like in the movies, the movies in the movies are always mm-hmm. like, you see the characters sitting in the movie theater, eating their popcorn and they're like, wow, like uh, yeah. eyes real big, like, ooh, ah, right. It's sort of like, these movies kind of give me that feel. Yeah. There's there's something about watching something that's actually a little bit a little bit unreal looking. Yeah. I guess is what I'm saying that that I really like, but I obviously it's subjective because it's the very same thing you're describing that you wish weren't quite that way. Yeah. So, um you know, fair enough. I think I think we it sounds like we both liked the movie so much that you know, what you're describing didn't ruin the movie for you. You just would have liked to change it. And if we changed it to the way you said, certainly wouldn't have ruined the movie for me. I'm sure I still would have loved the movie. Um. And I mean, and here's the deep irony, of course. Like, uh, if I could wave a magic wand and somehow magically some of that stylistic stuff changed to sort of quote what I wanted it to be, Mm -hmm. like, could easily imagine a world where I'm like, Oh, actually, that's worse. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, no, like, we've. I feel like we've had quite a few of those in in recent episodes, in recent fix the movie, you know, segments where we're like, it's very possible if I got what I wanted, I'd be like, no, put it back the way it was. <laughs> I was mind, wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, but so besides that, um, I did think of one other thing. So as far as fix the movie, I, I really, I really thought this movie was great, and and would almost change nothing. Um, but one thing I did think of though, was just, um, the ending, you know, and this would have one problem with what I'm about to say is would actually make the movie longer. But I did think that the, the ending was just a little fast. Um, Mm -hmm. like from him going to the train, then like the next scene, I'm like, oh, we fast forwarded like a few years, I think. <laughs> fully bearded. Just right. like, yeah, he's fully bearded. He's like a hobo now. And then he wanders into this, you know, other carnival. I feel like they could have used like just one or two more sort of mini scenes to show the progression of him yeah. after getting on the train. It, it sort of felt like they were like, oh, my God, look at the time. We got to wrap this up. <laughs> 
<laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. Like we're already two and a half hours. We, we better get straight to the ending now. And, uh, that, that was just, it felt a little, um, I felt a little bit like, Oh, Oh, you know, I was ready to yeah. stay. I could have stayed another 10 minutes, you know, if, yeah, if yeah. it would have helped, if it would have helped make this ending feel not quite so compressed. I mean, it's sort of, I'd compare it to like, um, I remember seeing the movie Batman Begins, the mm-hmm. beginning of that movie. I mm-hmm. felt like, I feel like I'm watching a movie and like fast forward right now. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. like the the editing and the cutting things together. They're just racing through time so quickly. It's, it's disorienting. Um, right. I mean, it's not that extreme in this movie because it's not, it's only like a few, it's basically like two scenes, right? So it's not like there's a lot of cutting, but it's just those those two scenes, um, yeah, they just fast forward in time quite a bit. So, yeah, it's funny for me. It was he was already finished with his journey to the bottom. The moment he lay down behind those chicken cages. Yeah. Right. No, you're like, you're right. You're right. I think it's just in terms of the passage of time, the movie. There, there aren't, well, there's one jump in the movie after they drive away from the carnival, yeah, but doesn't it two say years. like two years later or something? Right, right. So other than that, and that's explicitly told to you. Yeah, that's true. There, the, there's no really major jumps in time. Like the movie with its pacing, I feel like is, is very deliberate and very much takes its time with things. Yeah. And then suddenly we're just at the end and like we race forward in time. We're not told how much time exactly. It just, it just felt a little inconsistent, I guess, with the rest of the movie. Yeah. How yeah, quickly I it moved forward. Yeah. So, yeah. I was, I, I think the trick worked on me, right? Like meaning, you know, he's, he's in the train car and if, at that moment, you know, this is like a nice little bit of foreshadowing. He's like caged in. Yeah. Surrounded by chicken, just like. Mm-hmm. the geek in the original carnival right and i'm like oh this is it okay here we go like mm-hmm. this is his fate now mm-hmm. and so everything from that point forward is like it's like all right let's get to the point where he's yeah. gonna end up being the geek you know what i mean like yeah. that was sort yeah. of my my subconscious thought at that moment and so like the fact that it didn't take very long was like good because we need to get there right <laughs> um yeah yeah but I hear you. I understand. I understand your point. It's like it is very. It is very quick. I mean, it's yeah. It's 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 the most minor thing. Um, probably just like a few. Uh, it probably probably would have made me happy. Not like not like the movie needed to be fixed in this way. But it probably would have made me happy if you just had a few more settings with like maybe the beard growing <laughs> or just mm-hmm. like, you know, seeing him in a few more different contexts and it could have been pretty quick editing, cutting these things together, yeah. but just, but just so it wasn't like a, a hard jump from train directly to, you know, a group of hobos. But anyway, I've said enough about it. It's not really, a, it's it was just know, one thing that occurred to me. One thing that I would have liked to have seen in this sort of uh, imaginary additional 10 minutes as you're describing which, you know, I recognize it might be three, but mm-hmm. um, is I would have liked to have seen something that represented the difference between choosing to give up, right, and being sort of like forced 
to give up. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I feel like I there some minor element of me is like, why would he accept? Like we already talked about this. Mm -hmm. Why would he accept this role at the end? He's got, he's so more capable. He's capable of much more than that, but he's sort of like, he believes that this is like all he deserves. Right. And I would have liked to have seen him like almost turn down opportunities. Something better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To like, cause I think that would have made the ending make a little bit more sense to me but it, again it was very satisfying and I'm I, again I'm being nitpicky but that I think that would have been an opportunity to use exactly the time that you're talking about to also help show like this is a guy who is going to sort of actively sabotage himself because he doesn't believe in his potential anymore yeah 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 so a little bit of probably could have done a little bit more in those final 10 minutes, five minutes. Right. Yeah. But I guess, you know, we're, we're grasping at straws here. This was a great movie. Yeah. Not really in need of any fixing. Um, so all that's left Adam is the question we always end with. Are we going to beam it up? I would. Me too. Let's do it. I'd beam it up. Let's beam it up. All right. One, two, three, here we go. All right. Enjoy that astronaut. I think mm. this is the first we've done in a little while. Yeah, seems a, a, right. a few have come close, but um, Nightmare Alley. So, is this like your favorite Del Toro movie now? Yeah, I mean, again, I haven't, I haven't seen his whole filmography, but you know, it's. Um, I think it's of there. all the movies of his that I've seen, yeah, I think this would be my favorite. I'm looking over his filmography right now. Um, I'll check out Pacific Rim and we'll and we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan. I could watch some robots fighting monsters yep. or whatever. Yep. Um cool. Well, yeah, it's it's a great film. I definitely recommend it to anyone who I mean, I can't think like unless you just don't want to see a movie that's kind of on the dark side, right? But right. it's it's a really really well made, really well acted um film, really intriguing story. Um yeah. And, uh, you know, with an ending that we've already given away. So hopefully if you, if you haven't seen it, you're not even listening anymore. So, um, but, uh, I guess that'll do it. We, we, I'm glad we both enjoyed it. Although it's, you know, it's been a while since we've like really disagreed on a film. We should get, hopefully we'll come to one of those again. Cause those are always fun. Right. But I, but I also think more so than, uh, disagreeing, I feel like it's, it's not so frequent that we're like this was great right this, yeah um, no i think that's really that's why we're here at the end of the day for right? sure to to find those films so and we found one so there you thanks nightmare it. alley good job thanks guillermo del toro all right thanks for listening everybody have a good one i'm dan i'm adam bye, bye.